Hello and welcome to Molding Masculinity. I'm Tom McFarland. I'm here today with Philip Seip, as always, and I'm really excited about this episode. So uh, today we're going to talk about something that Philip actually uh, brought up and kind of inspired me with. Um, uh, uh, Philip, do you want to kind of give the story of how you stumbled into today's topic? Sure. My, my sort of like uh, mindless browsing the internet activity of choice tends to be uh, surfing around Reddit. And I have my own account, but I subscribe to all my like niche subreddits. That's my my cool customized one of all the stuff that I care about. And then I also like just log out and look at front page stuff so I can see like, you know, popular headlines and get a have a feel for what's going on. <clears throat> and as I was doing my logged out view, one of the subreddits that occasionally pops into the front page view is um, the subreddit Ask Men which always has some interesting topics. Sometimes they're just like, you know, like, what do you look for in a date or, you know, something, you know, you know sometimes interesting, but not, not super insightful per se, uh, especially to a married guy. Uh, but uh, this one in particular was, what's the weirdest thing a woman has told you means you're not a real man? Uh, and I immediately was like, hmm, I wonder what kind of um, things people will say, what kind, uh, in particular, what kind of things get upvoted as like uh, uh, popular answers, like people identifying with it in one way or the other. Um, and they were things like wearing an apron while cooking um, uh, or crying when you got broken up with. Um, and so, you know, there were some obvious like things like that that were like toxic masculinity type stuff. Uh, but then there were some there were some pretty um, ones ones that I didn't expect. Uh, things like uh, someone saying that their wife told them, their first wife told them that they weren't a real man because they wouldn't hit her, which was like, wait. <laughs> I thought we had the thing about like domestic abuse being a problem with men. And now it's like, there's this like weird, I mean, like, obviously like these are anecdotes. So like, there's probably a version of everything, but you know, there's just like, wait, where does someone even get that idea? And so like, there's this sense of like, man, some of these are like, I had no sense that like any of these had anything to do with like being a man um, or you know, associated with masculinity at all, at all in some cases, uh, like wearing an apron while cooking, which I almost kind of get, uh, but also just seems like, well, like, sure, but like, haven't you ever dealt with flour? It's like really annoying to have it all over your favorite t-shirt. So like, wear an apron. It's not like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, chefs Some wear weird, aprons. Weird, weird stuff. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, and I've... um and I was immediately a light went off when you shared this with me. And I mean, when I read through those, uh, one actually that definitely did stand out to me because I've actually heard a version of it was that um, uh, not being a man because you refuse to hit a woman. Um, I had somebody who I was in a very short uh, relationship with who expressed a similar sentiment to me that because I wouldn't oh, choke her that, well, come on, man up, do it. Like be a man, choke me. And it's like, I'm, I'm not. And I mean, and of course I should stipulate this was in the course of not fighting activities. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I, I, when I was like, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not, that's not my, um, it's not my kick. I'm, it's not a problem if it is your kick, but it's not my kick. And, I'm not comfortable with the, you know, the the, the danger of which uh, this, I'm, I'm not trying to put you at risk like that. And it was, I don't know, it was a very weird situation. Not because, and again, like, you know, being open and communicative during uh, uh moment. Activity, yeah. yeah, 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 there we go. Like, I'm trying to, uh, yeah, but I, I, I t this is an adult podcast. I curse all the yeah, time. Yeah. I, I'll curse all the time. And suddenly <laughs> I'm, I stumble around talking about sex. But uh, uh, where was I? Psh 
uh, yeah, communication is very important. And uh, the, the communication there wasn't the problem, aside from like the the yeah, angle think... that was like, oh, you won't do this. You're not a man. And it's yeah, like, that's whoa, there's lots say. of reasons to be annoyed that I won't do this, but that's why we got to Yeah, go exactly. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say that, like, I mean, clearly, like, it's one thing to say, like, hey, I'm not comfortable with this or I'm not into this or, uh, you know, this really kind of like takes me out of it. And uh, I don't really want to do this if that, you know, and that can be like a thing. It's like, oh, I guess we're not compatible in this way. And that either is a deal breaker or not. But like, uh it's a whole different thing to be like, oh, you're you're like insufficiently masculine if you refuse to do this. It's like, I don't think that that's true. But um, another, uh, uh, just uh, to round out the sample, another one that really jumped out at me was someone who said that uh, they got like a double knee injury of some kind. Uh, they didn't really specify how. Uh, so I don't know if it was like work or just an accident or whatever, but apparently on the drive home from the hospital <laughs> the their partner said that she couldn't depend on on them to be be her man if they couldn't walk and it was like what <laughs> like like walking seems like a very like sort of human thing like and it does like like there is a sense like i get the i get the feeling the the sort of like feeling that like maybe like not being able to walk uh, you know, excuse the sort of like um, the ableism that's sort of like inherent in a little bit of this, but like I kind of I get the perspective of, uh, or I should say I don't get it, but I understand or like sort of intellectually see the logic of like uh, you know losing your ability to walk, you know, makes you in some sense like not complete or something, but like not as a man, like as a person, like. It doesn't like it, the the thing that jumped out at me in particular was like the the attachment of walking to masculinity, and it almost felt like what does this even mean? Like like what? It seemed like literally anything could just be tied into masculinity. Uh, in in this thread, at least, it just seemed like anything could be tied into masculinity if it was intended to be used to weaponize against someone who was in a position of need or uh, you know emotional uh disadvantage of some kind like in you know some sort of like defense against that uh it was very strange yeah and i i feel like like especially in that instance we see i, I think in that instance we see an encapsulated an ableism that exists of seeing like of, of having an attitude of like i couldn't be <laughs> Yeah, somebody who is ableist. Like, I don't need to explain what ableism is. I see that as a situation of somebody being ableist and then reframing that as, a, well, but if, you're, if you aren't able to walk, well, you're not able to be a real man. So it, my problem isn't that I'm ableist. My problem is that I need real men. And it, it, that's I, and that's something that I think... Yeah, I've, because misinjury is so much better than ableism. <laughs> like... But I, I mean, I've, like... I've, I've witnessed it so I, I've witnessed that before in other ways of like just reframing things to be like, well, but you're not a real man now. And it's like, OK, if we step one step deeper, we find out that your problem here is in the masculinity of the situation. Your problem is uh, homophobia or transphobia or ableism or uh, a stack a number of different things that can be you know, often uh, patriarchal notions that you know uh, men shouldn't be in the kitchen or you know coming with the like the apron thing or like I mean that in that case I think it's more of a you should be strong enough to take bacon grease splatters on your chest your bare chest but you know whatever. <laughs> But I, I'm before we rabbit hole too much. Um, yeah, so this is the basis of our idea. But this isn't what we did for this episode. We're not just going over Reddit threads, though. This is very valuable, and wow, it was a thread. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I don't know how easy it will be to Google it, but uh, maybe I'll link it on our Facebook page or something. Um, it, it's definitely an interesting read, just to see how many things like people who probably are just looking to weaponize anything to you know have their way um how many things people are willing to just attach to the identity of being a real man uh mm -hmm. when um they when it's convenient rhetorically <laughs> yeah 
And so our spin on this is that we reached out to uh, some friends of ours uh, on, through Facebook, through, uh, well, m mostly through Facebook, and um, got a collection of stories, uh, some written and some verbal that you'll actually get to hear on the podcast here. Um, and so we're going to go through those and we're going to listen to those stories together and then we're going to talk about them and unpack them and uh, discuss maybe some similarities of stories we've had in our own lives. And I'm really excited about this. This is one of my favorite things actually about podcasting. I think the telling of stories of people's personal stories, of your own personal stories, listening to other people's personal stories. I This just kind of gets into like a personal, uh, I suppose ideology would be the right word of I just think that people's the stories of people's lives are one of the most important things uh about human existence and the recording of those stories i think is also super important it's why i like sound recording and why i'm the kind of nerd who sits in his closet recording podcasts but i'm i'm i'm, I'm wormholing again um yeah so that's the th the thesis of today's episode is uh times when someone both uh a man in your life or a woman in your life or somebody else in your life has told you the phrase man up you need to be a man or something of that form so do we want to just dive right into the first one heck yeah all right let's go for it so when i was a kid in the late 90s it was uh very popular and fashionable uh for young quote-unquote boys to have one ear pierced. I saw it all over TV and in movies, and I thought it was really cool-looking and interesting, and I wanted one really bad. Uh, and when I brought <clears throat> that up to my father, he told me that men don't, men don't wear earrings. Men don't get piercings. And I told him that other boys in my grade had one of their ears pierced, and he told me, well, Kennedy men don't do that. My last name's Kennedy, and that was always the extra layer, was that I didn't just have to act like a man. I had to act like a Kennedy man. And uh, looking back as a trans non-binary person who's very queer, I realize how much damage that actually did to me back then. It's wild. I also think it's worth mentioning that all these years later, I'm 30, I'm very much not a man. And I have 12 piercings, and I love all of them. Yeah, that's definitely one that I've heard before. Um, the um, Anything associated traditionally with femininity is uh, automatically, you know, a thing that gets lumped into, uh, uh, you know, sort of like not being a real man if you do any of those things, you know. Um, although there is a certain irony here <laughs> um, in that, given that our storyteller is a, they aren't a man. So, <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I, yeah, I think there's that, that highlights part of the issue here of this, like, you know, the binary framework of like things yeah. are either meant for men or they're for women and you can't cross those lines and there's nothing that exists between those lines. Um yeah, and I mean, and this is one that I um, faced from a different angle of, well, it's sort of, I, I never got the piercing, but in the early 2000s, I uh, I kind of wanted to pierce my ears, and uh, my, I don't really remember, I don't even know if I ever actually told my dad about it, but I definitely know that other male figures in my life who did know about it definitely threw a lot of shade at me. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, yeah, like it's, it's one of those things that is, uh, there's no reason, like there's no, like, it, it, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it, it does a lot of damage. It it's mm -hmm. and I, I can, you know, for, it, it was something that kind of stuck with me and caused me to question a lot of things that I chose to do with my body when I was 18 and I was a cis straight boy. I can only imagine for somebody who is non-binary or trans or trying to discover their uh, gender identity and going through all of that process, the multiplied damage that that could be of like trying to all of all of the things that are packed up in uh, that kind of a thing. Well, man up. This is 
this is not a thing that men do, which is absurd. It's a pierced ear. It's, and, and I mean, yeah, well, and this gets into like, I mean, we're, we're diving sort of straight into the heart of the issue for me, which has been, you know, sort of the, the, the interesting exploration of, you know, this podcast to begin with, which is to some degree, like, we had a packaged set of this binary thing that everything had been, you know, this was always a myth. So like prefacing with that, but like we had a, this myth handed to us, the world was cleanly divided into this, these two categories. Uh, obviously things like, I don't know, like water or not like, I mean, even that's not entirely true. Like there is a sense of like, and uh, how, water and nature being feminine but like that's a little bit more subtle like there are things that don't necessarily like go and like that are neutral but like you know uh exceptions aside like there's this sort of like thing that's handed over it's like here there's men things and there's women things and um you know sort of like taking a step back and going like well some of these men things suck and i don't like them and some of these women things are cool and i like them and some of these women things are good and some of them are bad and some of these male things are good and some of them are bad and what do they have to do with male and female anyway like and you start to question that like there does seem there is this sort of feeling of well like then why does any of it mean anyway um like that like i i honestly don't know how to process it like um you know i've heard terms like uh, that I haven't personally looked into a ton about like gender abolition and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, ever claim a strong opinion on this uh, in the moment because fundamentally I just haven't spent enough time marinating in it to feel strongly. But like, I do have this sense that's like, well, like, like right here it's like well okay sure i agree piercing ears is not inherently feminine but then like what is inherently feminine what is inherently masculine like is there anything if so what does masculinity even mean like there's this uh whole upset of the whole thing that like it certainly feels like i'm losing something by not having this access to these sort of like this sort of packaged identity but constructing it out of thin air seems impossible. Uh, and I, I just, honestly, I don't know in, entirely where to land on it. Um, you know, there seems to be, especially since like it, this touches so in so many ways onto, I, you know, things of like identity and, you know, transgender people and um, sexual identity and all this kind of stuff that's like, very complicated what the outcome of this discussion is um yeah yeah no i i, I think you're you're valid in your processing in that and i think you're valid in a lot of a lot of that i from my point of view and, and a lot of this is very much wrapped up and i and we've shared this this is like a core kind of question of what this podcast is supposed to be about in some ways um, and, and for me, uh, to, to my, to me personally, cause yeah, this is something that, you know, especially when I was looking at like, Hey, let's, I want to work with somebody to put together a podcast about masculinity. What does masculinity mean to me? It was definitely a core part of that. And when I asked that of myself, it was that it's a non-exclusive identity. And I think that's something that's very important to, for it, when I say us, I mean, you know, in the very broad sense of us, uh, specifically, I, I think a lot of times in the broad sense of us being straight cis men who are trying to process and learn and be a better, you know, part of functioning society. Um, but to my point, the broad sense us uh, is an understanding of non-exclusive identities, of inclusive identities. And what I mean by this is to take it outside of the framework of of masculinity, femininity, to put it in a framework of geological identity um, or geographical identity, I guess is the right thing I'm trying to say here. I'm bad at words. Um, this is why I'm in a podcast. Anyways, um, is like, so my geographical identity to me is that I'm an Ozarkian. I'm from the Ozarks. I'm an Ozarkian. It's where my most of my family hair, like my more, you know, 10 generations of family history is from. 
Okay, I want to acknowledge something here that I didn't and that I need to acknowledge in the future. That is that uh, my people are colonizers. Uh, the lands that I'm discussing are the traditional lands of the Osage, the Ocheti Shakovan, uh, and the Kickapoo uh, indigenous peoples. Uh, we, uh, my people, are not indigenous to, their, to this land and uh, it's occupied territory. So as to is do I like is there something that I think is a part of my identity that would exclude me from being of that identity? No, I don't think so. And if somebody else is to walk in and like, you know, there are things that I think are inclusive of an Ozarkian identity, um, which can be a, a certain type of dialect, a certain type of uh, music, a certain type of um uh, lived, uh, lived story, you know, like the, the experience, the shared experiences that a lot of us have, yeah. uh, all of that. But if somebody doesn't have any of those things, that doesn't exclude them from having an Ozarkian identity. Like there are people who I think I, I, uh, it well, is first of I, all, like not of my job to determine what somebody else is, but as for determining my own, it's to say that, there's not an exclusive property to that identity. And I feel the same thing about masculinity. I don't think there's yeah, an exclusive property. Yeah, nothing in the category is necessary. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, in, the, in the sort of like the necessary and sufficient clauses in like logical thinking. Uh, but I do think there's a thing about that that's not quite analogous, which is the, um, like, there's a geographical location like if someone fr came in from New York City <laughs> with none of the shared experiences that you had and was like, I identify as an Ozarkian, you'd be like, no, you're not, bud. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, they had never been to the Ozarks, didn't exactly. know what it was until I mentioned. And that is then you'd I think be like, OK, is, yeah. so like you have a clear at least one thing, right, a one sort of filtering criteria by which you can say who like it's almost more. It seems almost more important who doesn't belong in that category like so, yeah and because, I mean, because no criteria is necessary then you need a criteria that's sufficient you know what i mean like and, and like there's this sense of like okay well then who doesn't count as being in the category and that's the that's part of the struggle that i have is like now, with and masculinity I, in particular is this like i mean i guess like cis women don't fit this identity in any way Maybe, but ah, I don't know. I, like, I, I disagree. I disagree. I think if a cis woman feels that she has a masculine identity, that's 100% for them to determine and to decide. I think having been born as a human being is really the only definitive rule you need. Given that it's for... <laughs> the category of human beings that is only distinguished by being in contrast to some other category of human beings or some, like, you know what I mean? Like, if it's just... We have a word for that. It's human beings. But like it does feel like it means something other than just being a human. I, I don't know what it is. Like I, I don't like like I, I feel like uh, I, I, the way I'm talking about it, I'm setting this up for like and bam, here's the answer. Like I don't fucking <laughs> no, no, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, like, no. I, yeah. I, this is the whole thing I struggle with is like it feels like this means something. But then again, I've had experiences in life where like I feel like this thing means something and then like come to a conclusion later. They're like, oh, actually, that was a meaningless category. But like. You know, like sitting sitting in the space a little bit of like I just. To me, I have a hard time imagining that the category isn't exclusive in some way or meaningless. Uh, but I could be wrong about that, too, and I just haven't found the right way of thinking about it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we both need to marinate more on uh, gender abolition and uh, the root of this podcast turns into how to mold masculinity into... An amorphous blob. <laughs> Um, yeah. I, and I don't say, okay, now, and I want to clarify here, I'm not saying that in jest towards uh, gender abolition. And not at all. I think it's a very valid, uh, well, I should say a potentially, because I say this from a perspective of knowing very little, I think it's a potentially valid construct, and uh, I'm actually very curious about it. And I think we should do an episode, maybe where we both explore it a little further and talk about yeah, it. Yeah, that would be interesting, for sure. Um Anyway, like not to go down too too far in the rabbit hole, but like it does this this simple one in particular kind of strikes right at the heart of this issue of like 
right away we see this problem of like um simultaneously but you know the thing you can get from the reddit thread is basically anything can be attached to masculinity because whenever it's needed to be weaponized or used to make someone feel shame or embarrassment like you can attach like fucking owning a bird feeder to uh that's actually an answer from that thread by the way uh owning a bird feeder to masculinity and like somehow everyone's like yeah okay i guess i see what you mean like and so like it's incredibly flexible but then it's also yeah now, uh yeah weird it's a weird weird thing now two other things i want to hit on with this story before we move on to the next one the first one just rapid fire i'm throwing it out there because i talked about it too much last episode. well not too much but i talked about it a lot ep last episode and that is i think bodily autonomy of human beings is incredibly important anything you wish to do to your body that does not harm uh or affect others um or necessarily harm yourself um uh, fuck yeah go for it if you want a body piercing and you are at the age to consent, fucking do it. Um, call, telling somebody that they can't because of any form of identity they have, I got beef with that. But number two, I, I think uh, deserves a little bit more. I mean, like the other one deserves discussion, I guess. Too. Anyways, my point. Number two is I think there's a very valid, uh, not like a, 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 a valid thing that I think a lot of people feel that is the the shared the 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 criticism or the the element of this that was uh, that's not what Kennedy men do. There's this like patriarchal uh, genealogical element that gets slapped onto this. I think a lot of times uh, where it's not just that you have to act like a specific, like, like a man, but you have to act like one of us as men because we are better than other men. We are special boys. And uh, who mm. oh boy, is that like a whole other layer of toxicity to talk about? Yeah. And honestly, like um, there's, um, always sort of been an element of this in history of like family identity being you know attached to similar things as well like um and used to crystallize certain things um but i find it particularly interesting in that like a lot of the modern examples of family identity you know uh some historical examples you know are mostly like um, a class thing, right? Like it's like, oh, like no, people who have family identities are people who have like a wealthy name to live up to in some way, right? Like there's there's some of that classism in there, but like um, a lot of the modern examples I see of this in, um, in in this story, for example, were are ones that are. Um, like this attempt at like grabbing at something else to justify a, a preconceived notion it's like oh uh men aren't supposed to have earrings okay uh uh you can't do that men don't do that and you're like uh well uh men are i see men doing it all the time actually that i don't know what you mean like look on tv look at a bunch of my friends and then they go oh well not uh not our kind of men you know as a like i mean i guess in the obnoxious you know debate sense like that's a special pleading but like you know I, I think it's an attempt to reach for something that you can sort of like go like ah but you identify as this and now i'm going to create this category that includes you in it uh that that excludes you from being able to do this thing that i, I don't approve of it for some reason you know it feels kind of like a a, a last minute pivot more than uh like more than that this dad has sat and been like now what does it really mean to be a sipe man okay definitely no earrings uh <laughs> like and like came up with this and as and as you know it, it it feels very ad hoc it does it does um 
So yeah, I think that wraps up my thoughts on this one. I want to say for the uh, listener who sent the story in, thank you very much. Um, you are very valid in your feel in your uh, feelings towards this situation. I am very happy with how far you have came, and the uh, who you are today is a very wonderful, uh, valuable part of our community, and we're happy that you're here. I yeah, am. Thanks so much. I am bad at trying to. I, uh, I'm bad at. I'm bad at talking to people when they're not even in front of me. Um, okay, so the next one. I'm gonna continue being socially awkward through like. A, is this like a metaverse social awkwardness? This, I guess. I guess you might call it like uh, parasocially awkward. Whew. Okay, moving on to the next one. <laughs> All right, so my first job out of high school, I was a jet engine mechanic for a large DOD maintenance facility. Um, the atmosphere was very blue-collar, kind of crude, crass, and the uh, majority of my coworkers were were like boomer age. So this is about 2007, 2011. That was the, this was the years I was employed. So height of the you know, both Iraq, well, I guess not always Iraq, but, uh, Af yeah, the wars that were going on during the time, Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, so there's lots of overtime available during these years for, uh, the mechanics there. And there were a lot of guys in my shop that, uh, would just live on overtime. Uh, they, they would, their, their income required the, or their lifestyles required them to work that cause they all had like Lots of boats and motorcycles and cars and houses they couldn't afford, whatnot. Um, so it was kind of an expectation that a lot of people would just worked overtime all the time, and I was kind of like the exception. I just did not want to work overtime because I was in college and I wanted to party on the weekends. I just did not want to be in that shop when I didn't have to. So every day at some point, our shop foreman. Uh, I think his actual title was work leader, um, but he was, you know, acted as a foreman, would come around and asked us if we wanted to work overtime by just saying, comp time or time and a half. And people would, you know, answer if they wanted to work for time and a half or comp time, which you could use for, um, like, in lieu of vacation hours. And I just said I didn't want to work, and I just got called a, a pussy by him uh, on a normal basis. would be like, pussy whenever i said no and i'm sure that's a line that he had heard from the dude before him the dude before him heard that from the guy before him because uh, so many of them have just been working out there forever so um yeah that was kind of my experience with it so yeah um a jet engine mechanic right out of high school is the coolest fucking job to get right out of high school ever in my opinion <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a lot cooler than uh, mine of being a cashier at Walmart. Uh, so, yeah, I, I rolled burritos. But um, that being said, uh, I also I grew up in a very blue collar community. Uh, like my best friend in high school was uh, he worked at EFCO, which is a window factory. And uh, who boy, do I get that? Like, I mean, I. Very similarly, I uh, actually it was a big rift that I had between me and my best friend right out of high school because I had I was living on my own like on my own uh, and had my own house uh, with a bunch of roommates. So I mean, like we were a party house. We partied all the fucking time, and I worked as little as as little as I could and as much as I could to afford the booze that I would intake while I wasn't at work. Um, that it was just a delicate balance. Uh, meanwhile, like my best friend was just all hours of the day and night at work, pulling all the overtime he possibly could and constantly giving me shit about it for being, uh, not a man for, uh, using, uh, the P word there that I don't try to use. There are certain curse words that I don't use because they are derogatory against human beings, but, um, and I'm, that's not a slide against listener. It's not a dig on the listener. I'm just talking about myself personally. Um, but um, oh, sure. I mean, in a sense, every curse word is derogatory against human beings. 
That's a whole uh, other podcast episode for me to get into. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, yeah, no, I mean, um, so yeah, like I've been, you know, through like I, 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 I've, I vibe with that. I get that. And it's infuriating and it's, uh, it's a function of the, as, as I think the listener kind of pointed out there, it's like a function of the brainwashing you're given that like, well, if you're not giving every ounce of your time to this employer, you suck and you're not a man. And, uh, Oh, yeah, there's so much stuff wrapped into that, like, um, there's, like, uh, you know, a whole set of ideas about, like, work culturally that are, you know, largely in service to the owning class um, and and whatnot, like, it's almost impressive the ability to bring to bear uh a sense of like um know your class know your gender know your place you know uh, like several um massive structures of and sources of power bringing to bear all with a single word um it's almost it's almost like uh and you could I, i could feel it like before he even said it I was like, I can feel what he's going to say here and I know it and I know, and it just like feels heavy and it feels like, uh, um, and and it feels gross, uh, man, like, and we see again, the immediate, um, uh, on the immediate surface, at least this, um, sense of like, um, what it is to be masculine is to be not feminine because the attack here is, Oh, if you don't do this thing, then you'll be like a girl, you know, you will have girl genitalia, you know, like that's kind of the implication. Right. And so like, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, that, that, that's another one that I've definitely heard before of like, you know, uh, men make, uh, you know, make work their life. Yeah. And I, and I think one of the things you kind of hit on there is that almost all of these are also intended to, or maybe not intended, but they serve the function of, if not intended to, uh, degrading women because women are the butt of the man up. Cause if you don't man up, you're the opposite and you're a woman and women are a bad thing to be is kind of the, uh, the the vacuum thesis. I'm sure there's a better word. I invented that word right this second. That's not the uh, word to use for that. But like, a, you know, the thesis in a vacuum. If nothing else, I mean, if, if, if nothing else is apparent, then the one remaining thing must be apparent in the thesis that you're making. Uh, and that's... I'll, I think I'll is... actually go a slight step further and say, um, in a sense... Like you have to uh, give me give me the slack here to to finish the thought because it'll sound bad initially. In a sense, they're right. Um, the 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 accusation of being a woman is almost more of a threat than it is a um der- derogatory comment. Like there's this sense of like you wouldn't want to be in the position of a woman, would you? Sort of feel to it, right? Like, because we all know what position women have. Uh, like, there's this feeling of, like, you want to make sure that you've, you're earning your place in the manosphere or whatever. You know, like, um, there's this sort of, like, implicit, threatening of like um and and interestingly if you really think about it this comes into contrast with other things like having like uh reproducing having children is another thing that's like a very like not necessarily like taking care of them but at least having them is another thing that's like like procreating is like a thing that's often tied in with masculinity and this is fundamentally at odds with with the idea of like killing yourself at work you know uh there's tons of of expectations that are 
put on the masculine identity, right? And which one is brought to bear is always very contextual. Um, you know, you expect people to say like, oh, well, you know, you got to make time for your family when you're not at work. But when you're at work, it's like, hey, we got to get her done. We got to, we got to do this thing. We got to make it happen. And it puts, you know, tons of men into literally impossible scenarios where they, in order to match this ideal, they need to sacrifice everything to still fail, to live up to an idea that was always uh, unattainable to begin with. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, uh, once again, uh, listener, you are valid in your frustration at that statement. Uh, your boss is a dick and or was a dick. And uh, yes, that is my socially awkward finalization response to that <laughs> call in to the, or I call in is a weird I'm just, ugh, too many too many years in radio and I'm just like reverting to listeners and call-ins but moving on to the next one so when I was a kid I played tackle football through a local group called Optimus it was the uh, basically the little private club thing for kids when to play a sport that wasn't sponsored by one of the local schools and um I did tackle football when I was about 12 or 13, and I was late to practice a couple of times, and when I was late, I'd have to run laps to build character, right? And um, so one time, the weather shifted, and it started raining pretty hard. This was like maybe mid-October, and it was pretty chilly out. And, you know, I thought the coach would tell me to pack it in, and instead, my coach told me to just keep running. And, um, and any time I asked, he's like, no, you gotta, you got to keep running because you were late. And so I ran for about 15 to 20 minutes back and forth up and down a little practice field as it rained. And from that, I, I developed a cough that turned into pneumonia. And that was probably one of my clearest quote, quote, man up moments. Um, but most of my man up moments were really kind of self-imposed, right? Um, it was small things. It was like, People not believing me when I said I was sick and telling me, well, you don't seem too sick, so uh, you go ahead and go to school. Or it was, you know, things that would eventually translate into me forcing myself to work harder than my body should have because I told myself that I needed to man up and, and do it. And a lot of what I got was really more of, um, at least from peers, it wasn't really man up so much as, you know, stop being gay or, um, you know, just kind of being... You know, having my masculinity questioned on a regular basis. And um, that was really where a lot of it came from. You know, not a ton of adults specifically said man up to me, right? But just about every little place where it could be, it was reinforced that if I wasn't hurting myself in the process, I wasn't being a man. And that that was just part of how all these things should be. Um, and heck, even when I started getting sick from that, from those laps, right, from, from that cough, even then, until the pediatrician told my folks that like a, a third of one of my lungs was filled with fluid, my dad didn't believe I was that sick. He was kind of just thought I was faking a cough in order to not go to school. Um, and so, you know, a lot of it, a lot of, of, of my man up moments kind of just looked like that not being believed, being told to hurt myself further. And then if I was unwilling to, it was because I was either lazy or a pansy or gay or any kind of other just weak and emasculine feature that I could have. So again, that was, that's really what it was. It was, it was a lot of stuff that then I internalized and then self-imposed. Um, and to this day, it still screws with me. It still makes it hard for me to be intimate with partners. It still makes it hard for me to um, allow myself to be vulnerable and to be happy. And if I'm not punishing myself in some way, I feel like I'm failing. And so I'm never really happy. I'm just always telling myself I could be stronger. It, and, but yet you never feel it. So, uh, there you go. 
Yeah, so I'm going to start from the end before we get to the beginning on this one, and I want to say that every person deserves to be happy, and you do too. Um, if, if, if I was to whittle down my personal ideology of what I think life is, it's that I think every human being deserves happiness uh, regardless of what their fucking productivity or uh, what the challenges they face in life are. Everybody deserves happiness, but – your feelings that this have that your your feelings here are valid in this so much of this one also i think just stacks up so much of what we've talked about uh, this idea that it's used as, as so often as a weaponization against something else like homophobia or transphobia um it's kind of a, like a mask over that and that the internalization of that causes so much damage for men um, because we internalize that into such a way of like, I can't be happy because if I'm happy, I'm not doing enough. Uh, I'm not manning up. I'm not being a good man. Good men are miserable all the time because they're working too fucking hard. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That is, that's, this is one that I've heard before in that, um, you know, this sense of pain and suffering are prerequisite experiences for sufficient effort being recognized. Uh, and what's, what's so bad about this one in particular is like pain and suffering are usually the signs of your effort of too much effort. Uh, uh, you know, there are certainly times and certain kinds of occupations where the ability to sacrifice one's bodily health um, to complete a task is um, important. I think of like my dad as a firefighter, like he has is dealing with a lot of uh, medical problems uh, about, you know, stuff sustained from years of, of stress onto certain parts of his body, like his shoulder um, because of stuff that he had to do lifting hoses and holding them, like stabilizing them and all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, that certainly that can be valuable and like, you know, you save lives by doing that. Um, so like, I think like, this is almost like, I almost see this as like a, um, um, a bastardization or a corruption of, um, what I might otherwise consider a sort of like a virtuous type of thing of like, oh, you know, good. Like you sacrifice your body so that you can save the lives of people in a burning building. Great. That's, you know, that's a noble thing to do. Um, but then to have that then put into situations like a football game where it's like, that's not, there's nothing noble about like killing your body to play a game slightly better um that like it, it's like like taking this sort of thing and then putting it in a context where it doesn't work anymore and then but like still holding it as true and then like then universally applying it to all male experiences and then uh getting putting men into this situation where it's like okay well here's the thing uh you need to work really hard okay cool uh so i'll work really hard and i'll earn a bunch of stuff and then i'll get to relax and be happy or you know enjoy life and you're like yeah 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 of course but uh, but uh, you do need to uh in order to be enough you know you got to be in pain and suffering and you know doing this or you're not working hard enough cool so but like after i do that right like um you know i'll get to i'll get to be happy and it's like well you know you don't want to be lazy uh, and then like they, you, they just, you know, it sort of carefully puts you, puts you into this place where like what, what the expectation actually is, is, um, completely burn your body to the absolute maximum to get sacrifice as much as it is possible to do work. And if that work is something like saving lives, maybe that's justifiable or noble in some way, but so often that's to produce profit for people that don't give a fuck about you and would gladly see you die so they could make an extra thousand dollars. Um, and that to me is the saddest thing about it is like, this is the kind of attitude that, that, uh, you know, really serves the people who, who quite frankly 
sit in the comfiest possible chairs and laugh at the people breaking their backs to get absolutely nowhere. Yes. Um, so our next one, I'm going to actually, because um, I, I feel like I'm excluding our written-in stories. Um, the next one I have is extremely short, um, but it was uh, a, a, a female friend of mine who wrote in and said that when she was in school, her um, her color guard captain in high school, uh, she was experiencing period cramps, and her color guard captain told her that she needed to man up. And this wasn't, uh, I actually, there was, uh, I, I had several other stories that were shared to me that uh, I didn't quite have enough, uh, you know, like an, enough story to go on to, like, say it's a full story. But I had many other women in my life uh, make comments that, yeah, they've had this before in during athletic pursuits, during other uh, attempts to do athletic things, being told to man up, uh, being kind of a thing shotgunned out there to people who are not men. Um, which I think, again, reinforces the weaponization of this, reinforces the degradation of women that is implicit in this, and just, man, the just flat-out mistmark ignorance of a woman having period cramps and telling her to man up, which I'm almost <laughs> certain was a man who said that. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a sort of, uh, sort of I'll say, retrospective humor in, in the... Um the irony there. Um, I think also a, an important aspect of that is that uh, something that we mentioned before, but is uh, doubly edged when it comes to being used against women, which is uh, both uh, like in the same way that men are threatened with becoming women when they fail to live up to some, you know, imagined masculine ideal. Women are simultaneously threatened and enticed with the promise of power right? There's this sense of like, oh, sorry, you were doing athletic stuff. See, you're going to get all the power of being an athlete, but that's a masculine identity thing. And if you want that, then you're going to have to uh, do this or else you'll go back to being a woman is kind of the, the narrative that's being sort of implied there, um, which is gross for, you know, all the reasons that you kind of went over already. But like, uh, I think it's important to recognize that there is an element of like, just like, you know, threat and power going on in addition to, uh, you know, just aspects of like uh, identity uh, and, and shame and, and the stuff that, you know, the emotional manipulation as well. A hundred percent. And, and uh, sorry, and I didn't finish with, uh, well, you know, I guess I started with uh, telling our previous uh story that we listened to that yes you are valid you should feel happy with this one i want to say um I, I don't really know what to say uh m men who say shit like this suck and i hope that this podcast episode the thing i want to get out of this podcast episode is for men to stop telling anybody to man up um and specifically to understand what we just described the weaponization the threats that are implicit in this the the layers of problem that exist in this. Um, I'll, I'll say to the to the previous, you know, uh, listener, it it's virtuous to relax and to enjoy life and to not be in pain and to set reasonable boundaries for your body. Um, obviously, in certain contexts, you know, it it can be virtuous to sacrifice yourself for others and sacrifice your you know bodily health in the moment for others, but really do think about like what you're sacrificing for and you know if you if it's not if the thing being demanded of you isn't going to be a life or death type situation fuck the people that are trying to weaponize that to get just a little bit more a few more inches of you know a few more ounces of work out of you um those people don't deserve your blood sweat and tears go enjoy your life and be happy and give yourself permission to be happy agreed especially if it's a man who is judging you for having period cramps yes <laughs> i'm um so now our next story so in eighth grade i um 
had an accident during gym one day and I fell on my wrist and I broke it. Well, at the time, um, they called my dad to come get me. Uh, I was in a lot of pain. When he gets there, he looks at it, looks at me and goes, it's not broken. You're being a baby. Man up. But he could see I was in a lot of pain, so he still decided to take me to the hospital. And the whole way is telling me to man up, that it's not that bad. And we eventually get to the hospital. They do x-rays, and the doctor comes out and looks at me and goes, well, I got two things for you. First, it is broken. And, well, I can, you can look at my, I look at my dad's face, and he's already looks horrified because he's been the whole time telling me that it's not and telling me I'm being a baby. And then the next part made it even better. The doctor looked at us and goes, it's called a turtle fracture. That's when the bone um, basically caves in on itself. And it's the single most painful type of fracture you can really get. And, of course, my dad's face gets even more horrified because not only is he telling me I'm being a baby for being in pain, but uh, comes to find out it's the most painful kind. Um, I still haven't let him live that down, but uh, it's one of those things that don't tell somebody to man up when you don't know what they're going through. People experience pain differently, and sometimes you don't know what they're going through. And, uh, yeah, so that's my story. Yeah, so I think this is a story that echoes some things that we've uh, talked about. It also echoes a actually ex- remarkably similar story in my own life uh, that, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I went through, I, I broke, uh, I actually have one kind of wonky pinky um, because I was wrestling with a cousin, uh, a cousin who was a woman, and um she in the process of like she got my arm behind my back and then was twisting my pinky and broke my pinky uh, and i was like 12 at the time uh yeah yeah i think i would have been about 12 and anyways like i uh you know was in a lot of pain uh kind of started like you know tearing up about it my stepdad at the time drags me into the truck as we're leaving and i'm like ah, i think my pin- i think my finger's broken and he's like yeah just man up shut up no girl broke your pinky boy and uh, it was two weeks before we went to a hospital with my still uh, very with my very swollen, uh, painful finger. And then they mine was not a severe break, like a turtle fracture. A turtle fracture is much more painful, much more severe than mine was. Mine was like a what they called a green twig break, um, which is for children. It's when your bone kind of breaks like a green green twig would, and uh, it's a twisting break. But um, uh, still, it my pinky was then twisted and because it had been so long it actually healed into place and they were like well we're gonna have to re-break it in order to get it set the same as the other pinky and i was like i'm good fuck y'all i don't have like you know my my parents didn't have that kind of money anyways so they were good with my like goodness with having a crooked pinky and uh yeah i have a slightly crooked pinky now um because of a very similar story Hmm. yeah i'm fortunate that in my own personal life uh uh, while some of some of these kind of ideas are certainly present, that they're omnipresent and culturally, um, uh, I never had parents that, uh, you know, didn't take my pain with a degree of seriousness. Obviously, like, uh, and and this is uh, this is actually a slightly harder one to strike the right balance of, and I still don't know. Like, that this is maybe something to talk about if we ever do a fatherhood. Uh, retrospective on this but um you know to to briefly touch on it um there's you know it is a hard balance to strike in that like it's obviously an important skill to um be able to endure a degree of discomfort and pain and move through it and not have you know not be immediately like better than every time you stub your toe uh so and there is a certain degree of like skill building especially with children and like saying okay you're gonna be okay it it just hurts it goes away like get through it it's fine uh and some of that's just like development um but yeah there is a pattern here of like um boys in particular being subjected to uh, an extra spoonful of skepticism when it comes to their reporting of their own pain. Uh, and it's nice to have, uh, I, I imagine, 
it being very cathartic to have this sort of validation of the doctor being like, hey, yeah, actually your bone is broken and, and it's also the most painful thing possible so that you can, there's no gray area. It's like, yeah, so uh, what you told me to do was to, that, that uh, the most painful possible thing that could have happened to me uh, happened and that wasn't painful enough to count to not have to go back and do it. So like you have, that, that forces them to face the fact of, okay, maybe my definition on what like is a sufficient amount of pain to, to not, to, to be excused from regular activity and work is perhaps a little bit off the mark. <laughs> um, I hope there was some reevaluation on the part of uh, that listener's dad. Uh, I suspect given that it sounds like it's become a little, uh, a point of like ribbing and teasing perhaps uh, between them that it that it that it did um i hope so anyway but yeah that's this this sort of sense of like just in, in any amount of pain has to be endured um is toxic um, yeah it's toxic and it is it's definitely something that i've seen attached to masculinity a lot agreed 100 percent. and and yeah i uh i echo um I echo you 100% on that. And uh, yeah, listener, you are valid in your sense of pain, obviously. You, uh, yeah, you, you definitely are valid in your sense of pain. Uh, broken bones hurt like hell. My broken bone was easy and it hurt. I can only imagine that kind of a broken bone hurts like hell. For any other listeners, anybody out there, yes, your pain, your your feelings about your personal body, your uh, disquiets and your discomforts, yeah, we know our body best. Like, trust that shit when you really don't feel like you can make it to work trust that when you feel like you need to go to a doctor go to uh, to to seek medical attention trust that um yeah that's and this is a problem that is uh endemic in a lot of different layers and a lot of different parts of of medicine we've we've found a lot of endemic issues of uh, medical professionals not trusting pain levels, not trusting pain, not trusting women's pain, uh, not trusting the pain of black patients because of like beliefs that exist today in middle in medical school that like black people have thicker, tougher skin, so they don't feel pain as much as other people do. Like this is a real thing I've seen written out by med students. It's absurd and um yeah this is a problem and and yeah and, and in the lens of masculinity it's a problem in this sort of a way um yeah your pain is valid and fuck anybody who tells you otherwise that wraps up our stories that i have for today i want to thank all of our listeners and all of our um uh everybody who turned in a story i know some of the people who turned in stories probably aren't listeners even though i keep using that term i don't care if you're a listener or not i'm happy you sent us uh, your story uh these were all fantastic you were all extremely valid in how you felt about these situations uh you're doing i i could tell through a lot of the you know the the, the context and the elements that you were giving me and these stories that you're processing this shit and trying to figure it out and trying to make a better person of yourself and that is good and valid and it, it that is a strong thing to do and it takes a long path to get there it's not just a switch on even though that it is infuriating that it's not a switch on we like to think about this kind of stuff as being that way in our society um it does it isn't it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of practice uh it, it is a thing that you don't just wake up one day and be better you just keep practicing uh, you know, these kind of things, like not telling yourself to man up about things and not telling other people to man up about things is a thing that you actively do over and over and over. And it is the practice of doing that thing that causes you to get better at doing it until one day you're like, wow, I've never told anybody that thing since I can remember. And that's good. Yeah, I think to to put a bow on the episode, I'd like to share one last uh item from the reddit thread which i think encapsulates the sort of fundamental truth underlying almost all of these stories at some level uh someone wrote uh that they have they had comments from two separate women about the exact same button-down dress shirt the first one said hey you're not wearing an undershirt with that that's something a little kid would do not a grown man and woman number two said you're wearing an undershirt with that? That's what little boys do. A real man doesn't wear undershirts. So in conclusion, 
real men both wear and don't wear undershirts with their button-down uh, shirts. So make sure to both wear and not wear an undershirt. Uh, and if you don't, you're not a real man. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you know, take that impossibly contradictory standard, uh, which is emblematic of a lot of these standards. They are impossibly contradictory when taken in conjunction with all the other standards that you're expected to hold to and recognize them for what they are, horseshit. I agree 100%. And I want horseshit to be the word that we end this podcast on. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you all for having sent us your stories. Thank you all for having listened to us telling these stories. Uh, please send us more stories in the future. You can find us on Twitter. Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm uh, handy with handguns on Twitter. Well, I, what is my handguns pod is my Twitter, uh, my Twitter at, um, you can find us on Facebook, Molding Masculinity. I should probably make a Facebook, or I mean, I should probably make a Twitter and an Instagram for Molding Masculinity. That's the thing that's been rolling in my head the past few days. Um, but yeah, you can find us out there on the internet. Um, send us your stories, even if it's not relevant to anything we've talked about, especially if it's not relevant to something we've talked about. But even if it is relevant to something we've talked about, if you have a story about masculinity, we want to hear it, and we would love to put it on the air. So please reach out to us. Um, yeah. Thank you all. Have a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, or whatever other time of day it is. Thank you. Horseshit. <laughs>